0: Welcome to the Multifamily Mavericks Podcast, hosted by Josiah Smelser and Megan Greathouse. This is your one-stop shop for building and growing your multifamily business. Join us on a weekly basis as we crack the code to multifamily investing and scale
1: up to financial freedom. And now your hosts, Josiah and Megan.
0: Welcome back to another episode of the Multifamily Mavericks. Today, Megan Greathouse and I are going to talk about what we learned in 2020 and also our goals for 2021. 2020 uh, has been an insane year for so many reasons. Um, COVID pandemic, the crazy things that have gone on in the housing market because of that, um, people getting sick, Um it's just been a wild ride, and um, it's been a great year to learn, and um, I'm also really excited about 2021, and I think you're really going to enjoy um, talking about these these things that Megan and I have learned, or us talking about them, and and uh, focusing on how you can apply that to your own business going forward, And and then also our goals, I'm sure you're going to identify with some of those. And um, just want to want you to know that I appreciate you tuning in and I would love to get to know you and get to know each person that's tuning into this show and um, really have a lot of gratitude and I really value your time and um, know that we're on this journey together, pulling for your success and here's to a great 2021. Let's dive in. Megan, I'm excited about this episode. Thanks for uh, joining up with me here and talking through what's going on in 2020 and some of our goals for 2021. Are you pumped about this or what?
1: I am, Josiah. When you texted me about doing something like this, I just it felt like the perfect wrap up and something that's really great to share because you and I have good conversations like this all the time. but why not dive in deep and share it with a bunch of people? I hope that everyone else will get from it as much as we have.
0: Absolutely. So this episode is being shared on the multifamily Mavericks, as well as the daily real estate investor. Um, So I host the daily real estate investor alone. And then Megan and I co host the multifamily Mavericks. Megan, first of all, I wanted to say that one of the one of the biggest blessings of 2020 has been starting multifamily Mavericks podcast with you. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. I really appreciate all your hard work on that
1: and likewise i was super excited when you brought the idea to me and you have so much experience with doing this and you always already share and give so much back to people and getting to be roped on into that <laughs> and be able to give back and no he he didn't have to you know ask too much i was very into it well you've been uh, but
0: yeah i appreciate great.
1: that well thank you thank you
0: yeah you you've inspired me you're you add a lot to it you bring a lot that i don't have so it's been great. But so what we're going to do with this, this episode, which I'm excited about because this is, you know, we're this is being recorded December 30th. And this is 2020. So we we're still dealing with this COVID-19 mess. And um they're starting to get vaccinations done. Um, but it's been a crazy year, and we're simultaneously preparing for the new year. And so we thought we would go through three things, first, three things that we learned in 2020 um, that you can apply to not only your real estate business, um, but to also just personal development. And then we're also going to go through our three goals for 2021. And uh, I this has been a wild year and a wild ride for, for me as a real estate owner. I know it's been the same for you. You set out, you know, with goals like January one. We didn't know all this was going to happen, right? Um, but this is this is how it goes. Like you never know what's going to happen, and you just kind of kind of roll with the punches. So let's start off with our three things that we learned in 2020, and we'll start with you. What is your first learning point of 2020?
1: All right. So this first one, I think it was like one of the first things that came to my mind when I was reflecting back on the year, and I think everyone has probably felt this. Self-care is a strategic move. Okay, guys, like you have got to be taking care of yourself, mind, body, and soul. It is so easy when plans go awry, when things change, the world is shutting down to, you know, get a little lazy, start staying up late at night to catch up on work you didn't get through during the day because the kids were running around and then not wake up the next morning and work out, not take a little time for your own body and mind every day, And as a mom of two young kids, I definitely felt that this year. And I had those periods of time when I just felt out of whack because I wasn't getting that time to focus on myself, to do, you know, my morning workout, my morning reading, my morning journaling, um, or I wasn't just getting out of the house enough, which I'm sure was a struggle for everyone, regardless of whether you have kids. Uh, So... When I was keeping in mind that self-care actually made me better at everything else I needed to do, taking care of the kids, taking care of my business, building a new business, I was in a much better place. Mm -hmm. Self-care is a strategic move.
0: That's huge. I love that. And you know, I was listening to a podcast, a Tim Ferriss podcast. Um, He had a doctor on his show. I might try to dig it up while I'm talking here. But anyway, he was talking about high performers and he was talking about the scorecard for success, um, that these guys have. And a lot of times they're performing exceptionally well on, uh, on the scorecard of success in their sport or their, their respective field. His name is Dr. Jim lower and the episodes on mental toughness. If you want to go check this out, it was an excellent episode. I'm probably going to re-listen to it actually. But, um, he said that a lot of times these high performers, while they're they're off the charts in their respective field. Like let's, let's talk about maybe Michael Jordan basketball. Their internal scorecard is about things that are not necessarily sport related, like how, how they're interacting with their family, their friends, their faith, their health. And he said, a lot of times you'll have these high performers that are killing it. And everybody's like, look at how successful they are, but they feel when you, when you speak to them one-on-one, out of the the you know the the spotlight and away from their sport or whatever they're doing that's so well at, they'll feel like they don't have it they're not on track. they don't feel like things are where they want them to be. And he said a lot of times it's because we have an internal scorecard that we're that we're keeping up with how we're doing on that, and that scorecard is not the same as this other thing. and i so I echo what you're talking about like I did not take care of myself the way I needed to in twenty twenty and, and then all this covid stuff has happened and it's like, unhealthy people are being hit the hardest by this and some healthy people too. It's been an absolute, it's been a terrible thing for everyone involved, but, um, man, it makes you just really like, look at like what you eat, how much you exercise, how much you're sleeping, the stressful things you're taking on that you don't have to. And I'm, I'm in a place where I'm trying to do the same thing. Like I want to cut out, and this is kind of getting to one of my goals and we'll talk about that later, but I want to cut out things that are not adding to that internal scorecard. Right. And cut those things out. Like if I'm doing something that that's maybe fun in the moment, like playing a stressful video game, but it's not adding to friends, family, faith, or, you know, my, my personal health, I don't really need it. Right. I mean, like I can have fun doing things that will do those things like exercising or something. So I'm not saying video games are bad. I'm just trying to give an example in my own personal life. Um, and so like self-care is huge and my wife's a counselor and she talks about self-care all the time, but I think that's, that's a great one, Megan. So
1: awesome. Yeah. We'll just say it. Let's hear from you. What's, what's one of your top three lessons. Yeah. So number
0: one for me was systemic issues cause a complicated layer of problems. Okay. So, going into 2020, you know, we had a portfolio and this was on the bigger pockets interview that I did this year. Um, we had a portfolio of 10 properties rented out. And then we had 10 properties. We were in the process of renovating that we were going to flip some of them and keep some of them. COVID happened. And all of a sudden this was early March. All of a sudden our hard money lender decided they didn't want, they wanted their money back. And so you know, and they're the ones that we're doing the renovations. We're asking for reimbursement. They're supposed to reimburse us. They now don't want to reimburse us because they're worried that once they do, we're not going to be able to refinance out of the property. and They're going to be holding these loans. And if we can't get them rented and we can't sell them and we stop paying them, then now they've got a bunch of properties they can't sell. Right. It all makes sense. It makes sense from their perspective. It makes sense while we were stressed, but this was a problem. This wasn't our, this wasn't our fault, right? Like we had good credit. We've always paid our bills. We never missed a payment. We had good rapport with our lender. We bought in good markets. We were doing the right thing value add wise. We bought at the right price. This was out of our control. Um and this is just how life works. There's things that are going to happen in your real estate business and in your personal life that are completely out of your control. And there's layers of issues that come along with those things. And speaking to real estate, you know, here's some of the layers of complication. Okay. So we had to, we had to refinance with our own cap, finish the rental with our own capital, which required a ton more money, which we were able to come up with, got the refinance done through Fannie Mae during the worst part of the whole March, April time period of this whole thing, which required, you know, more capital to to be put in because the appraisals came in slightly lower than we were hoping because the appraisers are more conservative because the market state that that was going on. So, so that was that was a negative thing for us. Okay, then there's an eviction moratorium. So, you know, we've got this portfolio now of 20 properties, and if people are not paying, we now can't get them out. And we we weren't trying to kick our tenants out. Um, and fortunately, the two tenants we had that had problems, we worked with them, and we were able to get through it. They always paid. But but the lesson here is this: if we had had 50% of our tenants not pay, we couldn't have gotten them out of our properties. And so that was a stress factor as well. So there's layers to this thing. Like COVID happens, it trickles down to the job market. People lose jobs. People are getting sick. People can't pay their rent for whatever reason. Some people are just working the system. Some aren't. But there's an eviction moratorium. So you, as the property owner, are now stuck in a place where you have a property and it may not be financed through Fannie Mae. So you can't do your, uh, forbearance, which was offered on those government backed loans. Um, and you still have to make the payment, although the tenants not paying you. So you got to have a lot of reserves there. So anyway, there's, I discovered in 2020 that there's a lot of layers to every problem that comes along. Sometimes they're problems that I didn't create, have nothing to do with me that will affect me. And so I think that knowing that going forward, I will probably be a little bit more I, like I tried to buy in good markets, you know, I bought in Dallas, Fort Worth and Huntsville, which are very pro business. And I'm really glad I did considering everything that happened. And we bought B class, which I'm really glad about as well. But I think maybe I'll be a little heavier on reserves and, and things like that because dry powder on with just cash is something that can really get you through this kind of thing. And, you know, it's tricky because in real estate, like you don't want to have too much cash, right? You, Cause then you're not getting the return on your cash that you want but you don't want to have too little because one hiccup in the market and you're, you're insolvent. So I know that was Mm -hmm. a, that was a long first point, but man, I, I, that one pound, I got that one pounded into my head this year. So
1: seriously. Well, and I think something that sticks out to me from that point is things happen that you just cannot control or plan for. There are a lot of folks out there, maybe some of the listeners who have been interested in real estate for a long time, but they haven't. Done anything yet because they're trying to plan for every potential scenario. And every time something new comes up in the world, they feel like, oh, well, now I need to work on a plan for that before I ever buy anything. And I would say what Josiah is talking about is the right way to take it. Like, have, you know, a couple contingency plans, have backup cash, but don't try to plan for every single scenario because you're not going to be able to guess everything that's going to happen in this wild world we live in. And if you keep trying to plan for everything, you're just never going to get started. So, Take a page from Josiah's book, have some backup cash and some, you know, mental preparedness to just shift when you need to, when it happens, but don't feel like you have to have a formal written out plan for every eventuality.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. And have a backup plan. Like, I mean, my business partner, I'm so thankful for him because man, he and I got through this whole thing together. Like when we had that 10 properties basically cut off on the refi on the, uh, the reimbursement request side and, and having to come up with all this extra cash, he really helped helped us in that situation. And he was the one, you know, our deal was I'll run point on all the properties. I'll find these things, get them renovated, get them refinanced, get tenants in there. I'll make sure we're getting good value. His deal was bringing the capital. And so when all this happened, I really needed him to to bring the capital again. And we were able to do it, get our money back. We're in a good place with everything now. But it there was a lot going on, and I'm glad that we had that already figured out. Because if I had over leveraged myself by myself, it could have been really tricky, and and he would have been in a situation that he was really stressed about if he hadn't had me helping him with everything as well. So, you know, I I don't know. What do you think about um, about working with partners in real estate, Megan? Do you have partners on your deals, or you do them all by yourself?
1: So you know, I have not on the the properties that I own thus far, unless you know you count my husband. <laughs> but it's just been us and, and really me doing the work. Um I do think that especially as you want to scale, partnership for most of us is going to be a key. Sure. There's so much to it. There's so much detail. You just talked about, you know, you find the deal, you negotiate the deal, you get it through closing, you renovate, you refinance, you put tenants in. I mean manage it. Everything that's involved, whether it's a, a no kidding equity partner or whether it's that you have really solid teams in place in terms of you know property management and agents and contractors, there's always some form of partnership. Um, and I really believe that as you go bigger, some of those full-on equity partnerships really make a ton of sense. And it's actually, I had a six unit under contract. Unfortunately, it fell through. We'll talk about that a little bit later. Um, but that was going to be my first, you know, true partnership. It was kind of a smaller test um, property for us to get into together. We had been talking about it for a couple of years uh, because we both see the value. He's a a busy business owner who wants to put capital to use and can't focus on real estate, but he's seen me in action in real estate and was ready to let me do the work and him bring most of the capital and have us go at it together. Um, It's important.
0: Yeah. And, and you talked about working with your husband. I mean, That's, that's a, that's essentially a partnership. I mean, it's, you've got another person in there. I I don't know what you're doing and what he's doing and the whole thing, but working with someone else, there can be a tremendous amount of synergy there, as long as you have the right person. Right. So, um, you know, I've done deals by myself, and I've done deals with with partners. And with the right partner, I prefer it, honestly. Not that going alone is bad, but just like the stealthy rich, th- there's two of those guys working together. And I think if you can find the right partner that complements your skill sets, even if it's who you're married to, it can really, it can really give you, you know, keep you going in times where you're starting to get beat up by what's going on. So, um, okay, so let's talk about your second point. What was the second thing you learned from 2020?
1: Okay, second lesson for me is plans change, but your top level goals don't. So I think this is just reminding everyone, uh, myself especially, that even as the plans change, some of those kind of bottom or mid-level goals that you may have set for yourself for a quarter or a year, and then something like COVID hits and those change, remember that, yeah, plans change all the time as long as you're still working towards that top level goal or actively maintaining um, kind of the lifestyle that you're trying to get out of this or the the family and and fitness and faith or whatever those focuses are in your life, if you're maintaining that throughout the changing plans and still always moving forward, taking those steps forward, you're still doing well. This one was a big one for me because I started out 2020 thinking, okay, I'm interested in some sort of business at some point, my husband and I wanted to do something like that, because I do most of the real estate pretty much on my own. I mean, our money together is in it, but I do most of the real estate. And we wanted something else also, we wanted, you know, those multiple streams of income. So we knew we wanted something like that. But that was kind of almost secondary to me continuing to build up the real estate and going big with a larger property. And as the year continued on, that actually flipped. And we ended up doing a lot less with real estate than I was hoping to do this year, but a lot more with the business. And we're actually, my husband and I have launched a new business, Horizon Sign Company here in St. Louis. um, And it's got a much bigger upside than some of the other business models we were looking at initially. So a little more work and a much bigger upside. Um, So we've got just so many plans as I look back at the beginning of 2020 that just feel feel like they ended up completely on their heads. (laughs) But our total overall goal of being a happy, involved family who spends a lot of time together and um, we're all healthy and enjoying life and we're working towards 100% working for ourselves, that has happened. That has been happening all year and we're continuing towards that financial freedom and the working for ourselves um, and we made big strides in getting a lot closer, increasing net worth, increasing cash flows. So as I looked back at it, the year was a success, even though those initial you know, mid-level, low-level goals that I'd set completely ended up different from what I expected.
0: I love that. So what was your big goal that you were working towards in this example?
1: So at the beginning of the year, my goal was to go get a 12 to 16 unit building this year and then potentially start the process of buying a franchise and that flipped where we ended up starting a business that's not actually exactly a franchise but it has a much bigger upside than a franchise um, it'll it involves a little more setup on our part but it also just has a ton of of upside overall but I only ended up with I was under contract on 10 units rather than the the 12 to 16 plus and the six unit fell through so, you know, it's it completely flipped.
0: Yeah. And I think I think pivoting is pivoting is fine. I mean, you know, you were after the cash flow, right? And that was your goal. Ultimately, you really wanted cash flow. That's why you wanted the however many unit property you got. And and if you can get that from a business, there's really no difference, right? So and that's right. kind of what we're doing in our portfolio right now. We're, you know, we got hit hard with uh, renovations on our portfolio in Texas so we just we bought a lot of properties in a couple of neighborhoods out there and we've had multiple deals with plumbing issues that are like four or five thousand dollar repairs that wipes out you know two years of of cash flow you know two years yeah. of profit that is so that's not a that's not a light hit and then when you have you know you have the the whole covid thing is another layer to the whole thing. Um, we were like, wow, we can we can sell some of these and 1031 the money into other properties in different areas of the country that are much higher cash flow. And that's what it's about for us. It's not about us just having stuff in DFW. It's about the cash flow. So I honestly think, and Gary V talks about this a lot. He talks about, I don't know where along the line we got this idea that changing your mind is a bad thing, but changing your mind should be celebrated. I I, want, I, I was so happy to hear that because I always felt like I was the one that was kind of the outlier with my friends of, I'd try something. If I didn't like it, I would change and try something else. I would try something else. And like, and he's talks about how that's actually a really good thing, especially as an entrepreneur. Like you're, you're constantly testing, right? You're testing. If, if you're trying to get a 12 unit deal and you're beating your head against the wall the entire year and nothing is working, maybe it's a time to look at, to look for something else. doesn't mean that buying 12 unit deals is not a good thing. It just means that maybe it's not a good, a good option for you at this moment. Right. But I have no doubt you will end up owning multi unit deals and, and your, your signed business may be what allows you to do that. You know what I mean? So in my own business, um, pursuits, we had 120 unit deal under contract that fell through. We had another, uh, what was it? Nearly 200 unit deal that we were a hair away from closing. That the guy doubled his price at the last second uh, when we didn't, you know, we didn't have it under contract. But he was saying he wanted to sell the whole time. Spent all this time on it, then he doubled his price, which was insane. Um, and and I've looked at so many deals this year. Finally, just decided, you know what, I want to look at building something. Um, so I teamed up with one of my friends who's currently got one deal he's built. And we found an awesome piece of land. We've gotten the numbers worked out. We've got the land under contract. We got we had a signed LOI. Now we're under contract on it. We're really excited. So we had to pivot from buying existing stuff, which I was hitting a brick wall. And I know that's probably normal, but I've been working on it for a couple of years now and didn't have one. So uh I want I want to make traction and progress. And I just felt like that pivot was something that was good. And if this works out, this is going to be 250 to 450 units. My goal is 150 units over the next 12 months. I could get that. I could, I could be at 250 units and it would be under construction. It won't happen in 12 months, but I could, uh, I could hit that goal by being willing to pivot and change a little bit. So I think, um, I salute you for your efforts and your willingness to, to change when you need to. And I I'm excited about the potential of your new business.
1: Yes. And congratulations to you on that as well. I think that project, we're going to have to do a deep dive on that sometime in 2021. It's so exciting. But again, like you said earlier, your goal for a number of of units is based on what you want for yourself and your family in your life. It's not because there's some inherent importantness to owning 150 units exactly is what that does for you. And so that's what I want everyone to take away from this lesson of mine that I had this year is what is it you're actually trying to achieve in life? Because a number of doors should not be no. the thing you are trying to achieve in life. It should be the thing that makes your life achievements possible. Um, and if that thing that can make the, the higher level, higher order goals possible needs to change, so that you can get there faster or more efficiently or in a happier way, then do it. Yeah. It's yeah. okay.
0: Yeah. It's kind of like if, if you know that if you own all single families and you discover that owning a sign company is much more profitable with less time and less stress, would you keep all your single families? If you could move that money into the sign business and simplify your life and make more money, would you keep the single families? Because you like telling everyone how many doors you own or would you consider the sign business? Like for me it's a no brainer. You know, I'm, I'm not really, I love real estate, but but it's because I see it as the best option to build long-term wealth. If I discover some other niche that seems far easier and far more obvious and, and makes sense, like, and I understand it, I will certainly consider it. So, um, that's why I like multifamily, right? Because I own single family and I've, I own some multi-unit smaller deals. And I know people that own multifamily and have owned single family, and there's economy of scale advantages in multi. That's why I love multifamily, but I'm not married to one part of all this. Like I, you know, if building works out better for me than buying existing, I'm I'll go the route of building. If buying existing works better, you know, like whatever whatever it need I need to do to get me there. And it really it's about my family, just like you. So,
1: yep, yep. All right, Josiah, tell us your second lesson from 2020.
0: Second lesson, and this one this one's a was a really sobering one, but you know, and I already felt like I knew this, but life is fragile, you know, lost, lost some dear friends this year. And, you know, my uncle's in the ICU with, uh, he's intubated fighting for his life right now. Healthy guy. Um, he's older, but he, he was marathon runner, not a smoker, no underlying health problems. Life is fragile. Like we, we just don't know how much time we have. And, kind of going back to the self-care thing, like we can't waste our time doing stupid crap. That's not adding to any of those internal scorecard areas. Um, and I've been guilty of that, you know, and, and it's like, you know, I look at like, okay, how much time am I spending doing this? How much time am I spending doing that? Okay. I need to spend more time exercising, eating healthy, my faith with my friends, with my family, you know, and then I look at all this other stuff. Like, what did I do today? Like, I see the, this time I spent doing some things that really didn't matter that much. I'm like, man, I got to be really intentional about cutting those things out. Even if they're fun in the moment, like how much football do I need to watch? Right? Like football's fun. I'm not, I'm not advocating for not watching football. I love football. I play fantasy football, <laughs> but I can spend all day Sunday watching football you know, it's like, is that a really good use of my limited amount of time on earth? Just watching football all day. Um, and I'm sure, you know, you know what your thing is. Maybe it's, maybe you got a TV show you're just obsessed with and you just binge it. You can't stop watching it. Like, is it really something you have to watch for 24 straight hours? Or, you know, could you watch a little bit and then go do something else? Like, I guess like moderation, you know, and Mm -hmm. just realizing that our time is, our time is short and life is fragile.
1: Yeah, absolutely. and, because that connects so closely to my final, my third lesson of 2020, not my final, we could probably talk about a lot of lessons, but my top three, I'm just going to roll right into mine. Go for it. Because what I wrote down was you need to enjoy the journey. And I think that is so closely linked to yours. And and I don't mean enjoy in terms of, you know, kick back and just do whatever mindless quote unquote fun, you know, watching Netflix, playing video games, et cetera, et cetera. What I mean is really taking the time to enjoy this life that you have, understanding, like you just said about life being fragile, that something could happen completely out of our control tomorrow that takes us off of this earth. And will you have been happy with how you spent your time here? Regardless of whether you hit that goal of 150 doors or X dollars in cash flow? will you be happy with how you spent your time here on the journey? Because at the end of the day, we are all going to, uh, I'm sorry, at the end of the day, we're all going to um, hit some sort of goal that we thought was important. And there's going to be another one. You know yeah. what I mean? Like you <laughs> yeah. hit 150 doors and then you're like, okay, what now? I mean, the journey's never over. Yeah. So acting like you're not going to stop in and smell the roses until you get to 150 doors probably is not the best use of your life. Um, what are you doing to spend the time with your family, to take care of yourself and your body and your mind along the way, and even kind of trying to have fun with the the downsides of some of it. Like you've got a tenant who's acting crazy. You know what? Just roll with it. Try to understand where they're coming from and and have a little bit of fun helping them through something. Yeah. Um, I think enjoying the journey is such a big part of it because that's all this life really is. Like There's no end point except for the day you leave this earth. And by then it's too late to go back and fix anything. So enjoy the journey.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Like, I don't think we ever arrive, right? I mean, and if you do, that'd be super weird. You know, you get a certain number of doors and all of a sudden you're just like, I'm checked out now. I'm just going to yep. hang out, you know? I mean, doing nothing be, now. Yeah, wouldn't you be <laughs> bored out of your mind? I mean, I would. it might, it might be fun for a week or two, but then, you, I mean, like, frankly, maybe even not that long. It might be fun for a few days, but eventually everybody else is going to be going to work and going about their life and you're going to be hanging around and you're going to be like, what am I doing? You know? So I think just like acknowledging, like you're probably never going to get to a point where you're not really doing anything. So with that in mind, whether you have a dollar in your bank account or 10 million or a hundred million, you probably just need to enjoy the journey. Enjoy the people around you. Enjoy the problems that are coming your way. Like you said, like I've been trying to practice more emotional intelligence lately because Um, this, you know how this stuff is, it just comes problem after problem after problem. It can wear on you. And, um, you know, and some of it's like totally out of your control. A lot of it is. And like yesterday we got a text, um, from my property manager, uh, your tenant just reached across the fence and shot and killed the neighbor's dog. Uh, he's been arrested and you know, I, there were a lot of, a lot of like sarcastic and irritated things. I immediately thought to say, back but I just didn't respond you know I'm like I'm not gonna say anything um because this is kind of thing like this is my tenant you know like uh and he's in my place and he's done this and the police are dealing with the guy it's not something I can I can control uh I feel really bad for the neighbor terrible thing that's happened but this is life you know and this is kind of just the, 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 the real estate game we're involved in, like, we just got to deal with problems as they come. And I'm, I aspire to be more stoic, like in my responses to things where even when it's terrible, and it's something that is harming me, try to be try to detach my emotional response from the situation. So I can be very level headed. And, and, you know, and, and be proud of the way I've I've responded to to the things because, we don't control a lot of this stuff. So like, enjoy the yeah. journey. I love that point. And so I'll, 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 hit my last here. Um, the last thing I learned, in tw- well, not the last, I learned a lot. These are just three of them. <laughs> but, um, my third point is persistence makes it all work. Like, I cannot even tell you, like, like I told you a bit of the story of the ten properties and the lenders saying they didn't want to fund us anymore, and us having to try to refinance ten properties at the same time w- without a lot of our own capital during the, you know, pandemic. And at that point, people thought, oh, the markets are just going to tank. I mean, but at that point, we didn't know the markets were going to recover, and you know, they were going to start doing stimulus, and we didn't really know. And in, in March, they were talking about go back and read articles from March they were talking about the real estate market is going down in flames. That was the narrative that was being put out by the news. And so all these lenders on the secondary market and the uh, originators were freaking out. They didn't want to make loans. So persistence got us through, got us through all that, being able to refinance 10 properties at that time, getting all those rented out, collecting on all those properties the entire time. We haven't missed one month of collections from any tenant the entire time. And Part of that's because we bought B class properties in good markets and we screened our tenants well on the front end. Part of that's good fortune. Part of that's, you know, um, part of that's just I don't know. Maybe maybe uh just some some luck. I don't know. But anyway, I think that persistence, if we hadn't persisted through all that and continue to to pivot, being willing to pivot, analyze where we are, we wouldn't be where we are today. So I see like persistence persistence being the most common factor with successful people in real estate and outside of real estate. Like I look at Elon Musk, you know, uh, Steve jobs, Warren Buffett, you know, any laundry list, like any laundry list of, of, of successful people you can think of in your focus, those people have persisted. They persisted, they persisted. And it's the same with real estate investing. There's going to be a thousand things that go wrong. You just got to be persistent working through each one of them. Like I have no doubt with your, your business that you're working on now, Megan, that there's going to be a lot of problems but that if you persist through them all you will build a very successful business you know what i mean yeah. it's more it's yeah. it's more about like things happening and stopping that cause things to be a problem and sometimes the issue is something that's out of your control and it's a big problem and you it's hard to work through but a lot of times it's about like, okay, this is just a super huge headache. And do I want to persist through this or not? You know, so right. it's not that simple. But a lot of times it like from a high level, it seems like persistence is what you need.
1: Yeah. And I love that word persistence. And I would challenge everyone out there to really reflect on what that means and how how that might change in different scenarios, too. Because I think on the one hand, sometimes persistence can be gutting it out, right? You just you keep going, you keep working at it. And a lot of times that's what's required, but sometimes persistence is also that creativity where you say, okay, this isn't working. How do I make something yeah, work? Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it's, you know, there's a, a balance of just, you keep pushing forward and you, you ask how to make it work. And that's what you did to get through that crazy debacle of, you know, lenders pulling out and having to refinance and make everything work despite values being crazy. You were... Both pushing forward relentlessly and getting creative about how to make it happen.
0: Yeah. And no, that's a great point. When I say persistence, like I'm talking about persistence towards like your goal of financial freedom from cash flow from your investments. If you persist after that goal, there is not a shadow of a doubt in my mind that you'll get there. Now, will it be through multifamily? Specifically, will it be? We have some single family, we have large multifamily, small multifamily. We have sign business, multiple sign businesses, some combination of all of the above. I don't know, but if the sign business doesn't work, you're going to be willing to pivot to something else, right? And mm-hmm. you're still looking at multifamily. Like, so my my persistence comment is like, if you have a goal like financial freedom through your investments, persisting after that, you will get there. Um, yep it's it's obviously not smart if you're trying to trying to force something that's not going to work because the market's overheating a certain category you have to be wise as well right so um persistent persistence when it makes sense is what i I guess Mm -hmm. what i'm trying to get at so yeah all right so let's talk about our goals for 2021 uh you can start us off tell us your three goals for 2021
1: yep all right, so my first one is to double my cash flow from real estate. So in case any of you out there are wondering, I'm still very much actively excited about real estate and still going after it. Um, but I've definitely focused more on cash flow over doors and over specific type of property, uh, not because I'm just you know, casting a crazy wide net, but because I recognize that the the ultimate goal is that financial freedom and the time freedom to be with my family. And so cash flow is what is going to drive that. And while I still have kind of a, a few things I'm looking for and I'm definitely looking in the multifamily space, I think 2020 taught me to be flexible and adaptable when it comes to how to achieve that that higher level goal of creating the cash flow that makes my family free. So doubling real estate cash flow, second is getting this this new business, Horizon Sign Company, up and running. This is something that my husband and I have been wanting to start a business together because I kind of do the real estate mostly on my own. Um, and it's something that will really be his baby going forward. And he is very excited about this particular business and category. And so I'm very excited that we get to work on it together um, and kind of partner in a new way because it's it's a very different animal. Um, and I, I'm bringing a lot of my background in communication and marketing uh, to help get this thing off the ground. So it's, while it's kind of going to be even more so my husband's baby than mine, eventually, um, I've really got to get it started for us. I've got the marketing and the networking and the communication um, that we need to get it off the ground. Uh, so that's going to be a huge goal of mine. And then finally is just being fully present for the journey. I think, you know, I'm always thinking about these these mindset things and and maintaining the right perspective. That's one of my favorite ways to say it because I think perspective is so powerful. Um, when my problems are things like, oh, I didn't get X more doors this year. I'm in a really fantastic place in life. And I need to remind myself of that. When my problem is I didn't get as many doors as I was hoping for in a year, I'm in a really good freaking place. Yeah. So I want to be present and grateful and enjoying this life that I have with my family throughout it all. Um, And I'm actually, if any of you have seen my most recent Instagram post, part of that is I'm taking a a quick uh, detox is what I'm calling it from a few things. One of them being social media, just trying to make sure I reset how I think about how I use some of these tools. It's not something for mindless scrolling. It is, it's something where I really want to share impactful things and Get great ideas from some of the others out there as well, but I I don't want um, to find myself my absentmindedly picking up my phone and going to Instagram. Sometimes I find myself doing that. I'm like, wait, what? Why did I just do that? Put down the that's phone. That's what and they've programmed. Do this other that, thing. That's, that's <laughs> so. what they programmed
0: it for. Like I watched right. a special on it. It was it was uh, it was disturbing. Um, yeah. The way they they program that stuff, like they program uh, stuff in casinos, you know, to yeah. kind of keep you hooked by constantly giving you something else to look at. So you get on there, get on there to look at something for 20 seconds and you've, you look 30 minutes later and you're still like digging through stuff, looking at, looking at stuff that has no relevance to anything you really care about. You're like, why am I, what am I doing? You know what I mean? So totally feel you there. Yeah. Those are, those are, those are great goals. I'm looking forward to seeing you accomplish those. I think, I think the perspective thing is huge and I, I think, I think twenty, and we have no no clue how long this is going to go on, hopefully not much longer, but we have no, you know, I think we're going to look back on this. I think 2020 will have made a big impression upon a lot of people for the rest of their lives because, um, a lot of things changed this year for a lot of people. And I think a lot of people realize how fragile things are and how limited time is, um, with those you love and care about and how quickly you can go from, taking your kids to school and going to your job to everything's closed down, stay at your house, you know? Um, so like we have a lot less control than we think. And so just being, keeping perspective, being thankful, showing gratitude, which is something I'm, I'm trying to do is it's just be more thankful for everything, even the bad things, you know? Mm-hmm. So, um, I'm looking forward to, to seeing you accomplish all those things. And, uh, I know you're going to double your passive income through real estate. That's just, that's going to happen. So, Um, all right. So so here's mine. Um, three goals for 2021. Uh, my first goal we mentioned earlier, I'm involved in, it's going to be 250 to 450 unit, uh, new apartment build. Um, that's in the Huntsville area here in Alabama. And we're closing on the land this year and going to be in theory, closing on the funding as well. And, um, my goal is to get that closed. So we're doing a lot of due diligence right now we'll do a deep dive episode on this whole thing. Um, been trying to keep, keep less of it, uh, out on social media right now because it's it's still in the works. But my number one goal is get that land purchase closed, get our due diligence completed, um, and get the money raised. So, um, the set, and we're not sure how we're going to go about raising the money. It might be, I'm not sure what, what, uh, route we're going to go with that yet. So, um, the second thing is going to be um, pivoting our portfolio. So, one thing that's really been unexpected for us is is the pro- like the profit we were projecting from our single families has not been the profit we're getting um, because our repairs have run so much higher than we anticipated. We we wrote in the average percentage that everyone tells you to write in for repairs and capex, and we have just had one thing after the other that are big ticket items, even though we do our renovations on the front end, we don't replace every item in the house. And we just had stuff like pipes going from the house to the street, things like that, that we're having to replace. that are like four grand. And so we are, we are selling some of our lagging properties that are just breaking even or barely making us money and buying stuff. That's a lot higher profit margin on it. Um, and using 1031 exchanges to do that. So that's our second goal is to like get rid of our low cash flow properties and get high ca- cash flow properties um with that money using 1031 exchanges. So that's going to really open up a lot of profit in our portfolio. Um the third is and we kind of hit on this earlier but just cutting down w- on wasted time on things that don't add to family, friends and faith and and health. Um yeah, and I, so my goal is to just really value each moment, value the people around me, um, focus on being healthy, spiritually, physically, and and like keeping perspective on things and that internal scorecard, making sure that that's how I'm judging how I'm spending my time each day. Not not the external, not how many doors I have, although I, I do have goals there. But I guess I guess what I'm trying to say here is, let's say this year I don't close on this apartment. Let's say this thing falls through. But if but if I feel like I have done a better job of spending time with family and friends, I've gotten healthier, I spent time growing in my faith, I will be happy with this year. Um, I'm trying to keep that perspective um, where it's not so much about my business growing as it is about these other things. So focusing on that internal scorecard primarily, then focusing on the external thing and realizing like life's short, you know? So those are my three goals.
1: I love it. I love it. And I'm so excited to see how all of that goes for you. I think you are in the right mindset and you've obviously reflected on this past year and you are ready to go for next year. So I'm excited for both of us. It'll be fun to share our journeys, continue to share our journeys. And um, hopefully everything does work out with you for that deal. Cause I know everyone now that we've teased it a little bit is going to want to hear in detail how this thing is going throughout the coming year.
0: I'm going to I'm going to persist as far as it makes sense. So I it will not be for lack of trying. Uh for unless sure. we find out some information that makes it where it's not financially feasible, we will keep keep going on it. So I don't um, think yeah.
1: anyone would ever accuse you, Josiah, <laughs> of lack of trying. <laughs> I don't think that's that's good. I don't think that's the case.
0: <laughs> that's a great compliment. I will take that as a great compliment. Thank you.
1: Of course.
0: Well, Megan, this has been awesome. Uh it's been a blast hosting um multifamily mavericks with you this year. And I'm looking forward to all the great things you're you're going to accomplish in 2021. And I really appreciate you sharing on this episode.
1: Likewise, Josiah, thank you. And I think we need to add a joint like you and me joint 2021 goal of maybe eventually meeting in person. Yeah. In 2021. <laughs> yeah. For, for those of <laughs> because- you who don't
0: know, we're co hosting a podcast. <laughs> we, we were introduced to each other by Brian Murray. Um, and we all have friends running in the same circles, we never actually met each other in person. So yep, we know yep. each other I mean, I feel Zoom. like
1: I know you. I know you but at this point, but still, it would be great. Maybe we can get together, get our families together, something like that. You're going to meet
0: you. I'm going to meet you, and you're going to be like seven foot five. And I'd be like, whoa, I thought Megan was like Did five I not six. Tell you? <laughs> <laughs> you're going to be like a WNBA player, and I'm going to be like four feet tall. You're going to be like, whoa, I thought you were like taller than that. So you
1: know, I got the funny. capital for my initial investments from <laughs> professional basketball. <laughs> <laughs> Now, everyone's going to wonder how tall I am. I feel like we need to take a poll. <laughs> how tall do you think the hosts are?
0: <laughs> you can't tell on Zoom, you know? No, nope, like, no, you can't. <laughs> uh, how tall are you?
1: How tall do you think I am? 5'7. Uh, You're close. I'm 5'8. Five, 5'8. Eight.
0: Five, eight. How tall do you think I am? Uh, six foot. I am six foot. Well done.
1: Hey. Wow, right on the nose. Okay, so man. we were too far off. guess we won't do that poll anymore though because we gave it away but
0: (laughs) (laughs) that's that's really funny well um on that note we will wrap this (laughs) wrap this up (laughs) golly you can't talk anymore uh this has been awesome thanks so much for sharing Megan
1: thank you Josiah everyone happy new year be safe and we will see you in 2021 Thanks for tuning in to Multifamily Mavericks. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe, leave us a rating and review, and share it with your friends. It helps us grow, which helps us find great guests, which in turn helps you grow. And don't forget to connect with us on LinkedIn or on Instagram at Multifamily Mavericks at Daily Real Estate Investor at Part-Time Empire. Join us next time to keep learning the multifamily game and scale up to financial freedom.